Okay, guys, if you could turn back to, um, we're going to go from Ephesians 1, have a little bit in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 today. So anywhere in Ephesians is good, near the beginning, you're all good. I'm going to be mostly speaking from the ESV, but if you prefer, thank you so much, Paul, a different version, that's fine. Last Yesterday, we spoke about God's purposes for us, and um, I've been thinking about that myself this morning, like how much... Um, I was driving here, I was thinking, Lord, how much does I, do I actually fit in to what I was actually preaching about yesterday? <laughs> like, am I that bothered about it? You know, like, I'm, I still want to do this and do this and do that. What about being set apart for you? What about the fact that I'm adopted as your son, right? And now I'm, I'm going to receive the inheritance of Jesus, you know? I'm going to reign with him, I'm going to have his glory and share eternity with him. Experiencing the same love that the Father has for the Son in the Trinity. It's amazing, isn't it? There's a verse in the Bible that blows me away. It says that we should become partakers of the divine nature, which if it wasn't in the Bible, you think it might be heresy, but it says it. There's an amazing invitation that we've got, God's purposes for us, that, and it was all made possible because of the redemption through his blood on the cross. Okay, so Praise God. That's God's purposes for us yesterday. But today I want to talk about... Oh, yeah. There's my number, by the way. If you want to send me any questions, um, I'm... Moving, going to the lay-by nearby, that's the only place I can get reception, so I'll go there and look to see if anyone's messaged me, but also put questions in the question box, which is somewhere over there, because we have got a Q&A on Thursday night, and I'd love to interact a bit more and hear what's going, blubbing along in your minds, and if there's anything, you're like, I don't really get that, or I don't understand that, I don't agree with that, or I do agree with that, but I need more explanation, please. That's what we're going to do Thursday night. Okay? Let's do it. Now, C.S. Lewis talking about him yesterday with Matthew, interesting guy. He said the Scotch Catechism or the Westminster Catechism says that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But we shall then know that these are the same thing. Fully to enjoy is to glorify. In commanding us to glorify him, God is inviting us to enjoy him. And we're going to go to Guildford today and do hopefully enjoyable things like ice skating and bowling and swimming and um, shopping, you know, Costa, Starbucks, whatever it is. I need I need Shola and Michael to actually teach me how to swim because I don't know. <laughs> I'm not even going to try that. <laughs> I'm going to try bowling. But now we're going to enjoy ourselves today. Let's enjoy ourselves and glorify God at the same time. How do you do that? We we compartmentalize. Oh no, I've done my Jesus bit. Now I'm going to go bowling. <laughs> let's not do that. Let's let's bring God with us and glorify Him and enjoy Him in the gifts that He gives us you know, to his glory. If we can't do it to his glory, let's not do it. I want to talk though about God's purposes for himself today, which is more important even than God's purposes for us. And I want to talk about unity for a little bit. And you get this um, if you look in chapter one, all right? And we're going to be looking at how his purpose, verse 10, the plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him. Things in heaven and things on earth. And disunity is a huge problem, isn't it? If you think about what's going on now with people like pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine, if you think about BLM, if you think about LGBTQ+, if you think about your own body, like two years ago, I was... I knew I had an injury, but I was foolish, so I ran on it. 
and I was running across the road and I felt like I'd been shot by a sniper rifle in my lower spine. And from the next 10 to 12 days, I couldn't move off my back even to go to the loo. So I stopped eating and stopped drinking and I was just lying there and I didn't know what to do. I was ringing 999, but they were refusing to come and get me. They were saying, go to your GP and get pain medication. And I was like, I'm, I'm literally not exaggerating when I say I can't even go to the toilet. But they were like, oh, you need to go to your GP. His computer says no moment. So I ended up going to hospital uh, twice, actually. And I'm still injured even now. And that was two years ago. But praise God, I can walk and cycle and do a few things. Um, but you see, my body was in rebellion against itself, right? I was disunified, like the, uh, the discs in my spine are pushing against the sciatic nerve, which means that if I move in the slightest direction, it's like I'm being stabbed. The reason I mention that is because you have disunity in your body, don't you? You know, you've got something wrong with you, probably. <laughs> you're like, how dare you? Um, <laughs> you're all very beautiful young people. But, um, you know, you probably have, haven't you? You've probably got like something with your eyes or, you know, like you've probably got some hearing problem. Or you've probably got some something wrong somewhere, right? You know, like your tummy doesn't work properly all the time. And you're like, oh man, you know, why? You know, my body's not, it's not unified. You know, I had a bad hair day, you know, <laughs> even that. So you've got that. And then you've, got, you've also got this issue of death, right? So um, 21 years ago, <laughs> it shows how old I am, I was teaching and... I had a student called Emma and she was doing an exam and she said, sir, I'm, uh, I'm not feeling very well. And, um, she was in year 12 and, um, I said, okay, you know, you can, you can leave the exam if you need to, you know? And so she sort of ended up going home and she was dead in six weeks because something went wrong with her liver. She was a very healthy girl. She used to play volleyball. We had the staff student volleyball used to play together she helped me with the school play. She was such a nice girl. Um, she was very healthy. She died. And I just remember seeing her grave go into the ground. It was a rainy day. And um, I've never cried so much in my life, you know. And I didn't have any tissues. <laughs> I had like a snot on my suit. <laughs> I was like, you know, because it's disunity and it? it's a fragmentation. It's not meant to happen, is it? You're not supposed to lose like an eight, 17 year old like that, like one of you guys, um, you know, we're supposed to go before you sort of thing. Um, and even when we, we older ones go, it's, it's, it's sad as well, isn't it? And so the world is fractured and disunified and, you know, we've got all these broken pieces and you yourself have experienced significant arguments and relationship breakups, haven't you? Whether it's a boyfriend or girlfriend or mum and dad, you know, and, or friendships, you know, you could probably think of friends that you're friends with at secondary school that you no longer speak to. And those things are extremely painful. And even on this camp, you might feel like I'm not really connected with people. I do feel a little bit awkward and lonely, to be honest. I don't really know who to talk to in the breaks and that. You know, because I'm not very confident. I'm a bit shy. I look at other people and they like seem to be able to integrate with everybody. Or well, if you are one of those confident people, then try to include the lesser confident like in a non-patronizing way. But, you know. Let's be unified, right? Because that's God's objective. Now, the reason I'm showing this picture is because I thought it really represented, and this is from this last week, you know, it's like it's literally happening before our gaze, yeah? That what we've got here is this picture of this little boy, um, bless him, no? And 
the Afghan people, the desperation there, you can see on those face, and they're passing up to the soldiers and there's the wired fence, you know, the barbed wire. There goes a symbol of disunity, isn't it? Don't come in here. And yet they want to bring the baby to the point where he can get help. And he was actually taken to a military hospital and given treatment. And be re- he was reunited with his father. Reunited with his father. I mean, that's God's objective, isn't it? To reunite us with himself. So it's trying to elevate our minds a little bit today. Even when we're going bowling, ice skating, shopping, whatever, swimming. Think about the big plan for God. <laughs> what is God's purpose for himself? Um, one of his main purposes is unity, and I put a little asterisk next to it, um, which is to say this is going to come up again in another talk, okay? Also revelation and praise, which I'll explain when I get to them, right? So this is, this is the topic statement. In Christ, God will unite all things, reveal his grace and wisdom, and bring praise to his glory. Lots of Bible words. Hopefully, God will help me to unpack this in a way that hits you in your heart. And you keep it in your heart as well. Something about in Christ, if you look at this book, Ephesians, it says 23 times in Christ or equivalent. That must be important, mustn't it? And I think Esther was saying it when we were singing the other day, you know, in Christ alone. You need to ask yourself that, am I in Christ or not? God doesn't have any grandchildren. God doesn't have any grandchildren. I would estimate from talking, trying to talk to as many of you as possible and trying to get to know as many of you as possible that at least 60% of you come from a Christian family. Do not rely on that. Yeah? You need to be in Christ yourself. Most of you, you're, you're, all of you adults are very nearly adults. So you have to make this decision, right? Don't rely on mum and dad, you see. John 1 says, not of natural descent, but the will of God. Those who believe he gave them the right to become children of God. Because you're not naturally children of God. What are you? Children of wrath, sons of disobedience, right? So we need to be born again. We need to be adopted. Why? Because we're not naturally children of God, right? You're not born into it. It's a very interesting question to ask a Muslim when did you become a Muslim? I always ask Muslims that question. It's the first question I ask every Muslim. When did you become a Muslim? And they're always super confused, <laughs> unless they're maybe white European <laughs> and they converted in jail or something, <laughs> which is often the case. Um, but they're like, what do you mean when did I become a Muslim? I was born a Muslim. We're not born Christians. We're born again. You need to be in Christ. So if you're not sure, talk to someone, please. This is your opportunity. Don't leave this camp without becoming in Christ. I don't really know what your speaker means. Neil was going on about it. I don't really get it. Jules, can you help me? Adam, can you help me? Esther, David, whoever it is, talk to somebody about it. Talk to one of your people in the same tent. (laughs) What does it mean to be in Christ? You'd think it was important to be in Christ, right? Now, more about disunity. You see that the top 1% controls 46% of the world's wealth and it's still not enough apparently and don't ever think that you're poor (laughs) you know you might be like well I haven't got you know the latest Samsung Galaxy or iPhone 13 or whatever like and because my mate's got it we're all so rich here it's unbelievable you have no idea you know I mean unless you've actually been which you may have been to like Asia or Africa certain places I went to Africa it really changed my perspective in 2007 and I saw a little girl with flies like feasting on 
the pus in her affected eyes. And I met quite a few men and they didn't know the names or ages of their children until they were five because the child mortality rate was so bad they didn't even bother getting to know their own kids. You know, we've got running water, we're not dying, are we, you know? Like, you're like, oh, COVID, let's all stay in our houses and stay on Zoom. You know, it is bad, COVID is bad. I don't want to belittle if you've lost anybody, but really, first world problems, isn't it? The other thing that was raised last night about disunity, right, is this confusion about gender identity and sexuality. And it was really good talk last night, wasn't it? Very interesting to sit, and it shows you the roots of these issues. And so you can see, right, you guys, um, almost all of you are Gen Z, right? So Gen Z people, there's an increasing amount of confusion here, right? Look, that's 4% of people describing themselves as transgender, non-binary, non-conforming, gender fluid, etc. And then you can also see you've got a quite a large percentage now saying bisexual, 9%. And it's, it's a radical change, right, from the baby boomers who are 87% saying heterosexual now down to your generations, 68% that are saying they're heterosexual. That is like quite an astonishing change in only a matter of about 50 years. All right. There's a disunity about it. And I thought it was very helpful what Stephen said last night. That it's exhausting, isn't it, to constantly having to be reformulating your own identity instead of finding your identity and receiving your identity from who Jesus is and what God has made you. But at the same time, let's be compassionate and sensitive and real about the fact that people have genuine struggles with these issues, don't they? And there might well be somebody here who is same-sex attracted, right? And I don't want you to think, oh, I've got to hide it now. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like going to get judged or something. No, because which one of us can say that we are perfectly sexually ordered? I don't think any of us can say that because the fall has affected that area for all of us, isn't it? It's affected our gender perception. It's affected our sexuality. So let's be humble about that. And if we've got anyone in our life who's got an issue here or an issue there, just because I don't have that issue, I'm not in a position to judge them. I've got to help them point to Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to regenerate you and, and reform your identity, maybe make you comfortable in your body that you weren't comfortable in or help you to perhaps see things a little differently. And it's, it might be several years and maybe a whole lifetime that you might struggle with that. We're here to love people, not to condemn them, but also to show them the truth in Christ, right? So unity is really, really important to God. And this says we were all humans until... Race disconnected us, religion separated us, politics divided us, and wealth classified us. Let's see what God says about it in the Bible. Making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, you see those purpose words, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, in him, that's Christ, things in heaven and things on earth that he might create in himself, this is chapter two that was read by Joe, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. I love that expression, killing the hostility. You see, in Croydon, where I live, people like to kill each other with, with knives. They do. What they should be doing is killing the hostility. If you've got a broken relationship with somebody, Instead of killing the other person, kill the hostility, right? Mr. President, tear down this wall. That's what Ronald Reagan said in Berlin. You know about that. He's old enough. <laughs> Berlin Wall. You see, we shouldn't be building walls. We should be building bridges, right? 
Um, that's a quote from the Pope, don't shoot me. <laughs> when Donald Trump was talking about, let's build a huge wall, the Pope was like, we should be building bridges. He's right, right? So how do we do this, right? How do we actually do this? Well, it's God's purpose. So God's going to do it. Ultimately, he's going to do it. And the question is whether we're going to participate in God's project or not. Uh, are you going to be a peacemaker? What are the pe- what we told about peacemakers? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called what? Sons of God, which is what we're talking about, right? That's a sign of your adoption, right? That you're a peacemaker. That's a sign that you're playing God's game, that you're part of God's plan. And God's plan is to unify all things in heaven and earth under Christ. And this thing is talking about here, just a bit of context. I can't give you an in-depth study of Ephesians. We don't have time. But what Ephesians is talking about is the massive division between Jews and Gentiles. And I, I think it's worth just dwelling on it for a moment, right? Because I don't want to embarrass anyone. Has anyone here got any Jewish blood in them? Okay, cool, brilliant. Not many though. Uh, anyone here who's like 100% fully kosher Jewish? <laughs> right, so even you guys are you're, you're mixed race mudbloods or whatever. <laughs> so we're Gentiles, right? We're wild olive branches that have been grafted onto the natural vine. That's what Romans talks about, right? We should be feeling a sense of tremendous privilege that we know, right? Mashiach Yeshua, right? Jesus Christ, the Jewish Messiah, right? We, we're like people that get a late invite to a birthday party of someone we hardly know, right? And it's the best party ever, right? In, in the parable of the wedding banquet, it says, go into the highways and byways in the hedges. I don't know who's living in a hedge. <laughs> I love that bit. Go into the hedges. Oh, you're living. I want to go to the party. You're living in the hedge. Come on, let's come. You know, that's you. <laughs> All right, you're the drunken man in the hedge. And that's Gentiles. We don't know what we're doing. We're pagans. We're worshipping Zeus. and uh, we don't, We're worshipping money. We're worshipping sex. We don't know what we're doing, right? And we, wow, we've been, we've been included in Israel, right? In, in, in the vine of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Father Abraham has many sons. How <laughs> many sons? I am one of them. Yeah, it's true. You're a child of Abraham by faith, if you believe in Jesus. You've been included. It's nice to be included. I'm, I am such a shallow and, and insecure and sh- petty person sometimes. I like people to invite me to parties that I have no intention of going to. <laughs> Just so that I go, yeah, I've got the invite. Yeah. Thanks very much, but you know, I'm already going somewhere with uh, more significant people. But uh, <laughs> you know, that's glory, isn't it? Glory. Um, so you know what I mean? Because we like to be included, we know how horrible, oh man, it's so horrible to feel excluded, isn't it? It's the worst feeling in the world. But God has made it possible for us to be included in Israel in the promises of God. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're going to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And some of you guys can compare beards, you know. It's going to be cool. And we've been included because of Jesus has made it possible, right? This man, Jesus Christ, the Jewish Messiah, who's the king of not just the Jews, but the whole world, created in himself one new man in place of the two. And this is so such a big deal that back in the day, you know, when the temple... They had the Holy of Holies. No one could go in there. There's a disunity between God and man because of our sin. Only one man can go once a year. You've got the holy place where only the priest can go in. You've got the Jewish quarter and then you've got the Gentile quarter. And if you try, if any of us here, including you guys that have got a bit of Jewish blood, if we try and go into the Jewish bit, we'd be killed. There's a sign up saying any Gentiles go in here, we're going to kill you. No offense, guys, but you've been warned. Right? We're not allowed to go in to the temple. You know, the Ethiopian eunuch, definitely not be allowed to go in because he's been sexually altered and he's an African man, but he still went to Jerusalem hoping to get in and he's reading Isaiah and he's like, Philip's like, yep, you're included. 
He goes away for joy. Oh man, seriously? I've been cut off with my bits. <laughs> I've, I've been cut off from the temple. I'm nobody really, even though I'm, you know, a treasurer, candidate's court, but I'm included now because of this suffering servant who included me through his body and through the cross and he killed the hostility. So now we can enter in, not just into the court of the Jews, not just into the holy place where the priests go, but we can go into the holy of holies, can't we? How do we know that? Anyone, t- what happened symbolically in AD 33 at three o'clock in the afternoon on Friday? The curtain tore in two and, and significantly it didn't tear from bottom to, well done Josh, extra points. It didn't, it didn't tear from bottom to top. It tore from top to bottom because God's mighty hands tore the curtain because the curtain actually had already been destroyed by Jesus' body on the cross, hasn't it? He said it's finished. So the hostility is gone. God is our friend. He's our father. And we are friends with one another. And whatever divides us, the unity we have in Christ is far more significant. And so we have all kinds of backgrounds and different ethnicities and different issues with our sexuality or whatever it might be. But we're united in Christ. Isn't that great? And that's God's purpose. So let's try and figure out how we can play our part in that in including as many people as possible by bringing them to Christ. That's God's purpose. And in the church is like God's technicolor dream coat. I close my eyes. <laughs> Did you? It's good, it's good musical, actually. Um, I like the Pharaoh bit, you know, I'm wandering around on the banks of the river. Um, it shows off to the invisible powers, both good and evil, God's artistic genius in bringing perfect unity and colorful diversity. So that person there, Joseph, wearing the dream coat, it's the same word in the Greek. Let's have a look at it. If you look at, now we're looking at chapter three. All right. Verse 10. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be now made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. That word manifold is not a word we use very often. It means multicolored, right? Something like that. Um, And that same word is used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament to describe Joseph's coat. So, and even now we're all wearing different colors and our skin's all different colors. It's kind of like I can see it now when I look at you. God's amazing wisdom to be able to bring together this. And we're kind of used to it because we're used to it Gentiles. But really, I should be just seeing a bunch of Jewish guys with the twizzly bits going down like that and and the black hats. That's what I should be seeing. But no, I'm seeing this amazing diversity and a unity at the same time. And God is saying, look at my church. Look at the bride that I have purchased from my son through his blood. He's purchased through his blood. Look at this beautiful bride, this amazing Technicolor dream coat. And he's saying that to the devil. You see that? Have a look at verse 10 again. Chapter 3, verse 10. Made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. It's talking about the devil, I think, and the good angels as well. So see that, Gabriel? See these people, see that Lucifer, that's what my son has done. He's brought them all together and yet they're all distinctively interesting in their own way. They all have their own colours, flavours, shapes and smells. Isn't that wonderful? That is God's manifold wisdom, right? And that's the second thing I think is part of God's purposes from Ephesians, is that God likes to show his characters. First thing he likes to do is unite everything in Christ. But secondly, is revelation. He wants to reveal himself. So this is again from chapter two, verse six. He raised us up with him 
Jesus and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ. And again, chapter three, to me, this grace was given to bring to light the plan of the mystery so that through the church, the manifold technicolor wisdom of God might now be made known. One of the great things about God, if you read the book of Ezekiel, he says that you may know that I am the Lord. His God is invisible, isn't he? But his big thing is he wants to show who he is, all right? To the demons and the angels, to show us off to them, to give glory to his son, but also to show himself to us. And the, really one of the big things he wants to show us is the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ. I think, you know, we sang Amazing Grace yesterday. <laughs> I think Beyonce sings it, doesn't she? And lots of people sing Amazing Grace. <laughs> and, and whenever you sing it, what do you feel? Oh, I like this song. I like the tune. I like the words, yeah? And should we sing, there's no less days to sing God's praise? Or yeah. Why is it amazing though? Well, okay, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. God, it's when God shows me kindness when I deserve his wrath, isn't it? It's when God treats me as his son deserves and treats his son as I deserve. That makes sense? It's a swap, isn't it? Jesus gets battered by God bruised him right he's made a curse on calvary it's like a fire boil coming at him and we're standing behind the cross and it kind of passes by you know it's like the angel that he's the lamb isn't he He gets killed he's slain before the foundation of the world revelation says he's pierced for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace was laid on him jesus said my god my god why have you abandoned me he went through hell on the cross didn't he because he loves you, because judgment and wrath is our sin is a serious thing, right? If if it wasn't, you could just say, do you, Jesus said, "Look, could you could you find any other way? Do you think, Father, that we that these guys could be forgiven? No, there isn't any other way. Your sin is so serious that it meant the, the death of the Son of God. Because you are a bad person, so am I. The Bible says there is no one righteous, not even one." You know, our throats are an open grave. Our tongue is a viper. It's poison. You know, we're very selfish, proud people. We've got our own little agendas. We like to look good, but underneath it's all about me. And the reason I'm laboring this point is if you don't see that you're a wretch outside of Christ, you won't think that grace is amazing. So what we really mean when we sing that song is moderate grace that saved a nice person like me. You know? Average grace, you know, uh, average grace, how, okay, the sound that saved a nice person like me. If you have to get the wretch bit to get the amazing bit, is what I'm saying to you. All right. Now we're not Catholic flagellants that kind of whip ourselves as we go down a parade or something like, you know, in Philippines, they actually crucify themselves. You've seen that. It's mental. They have these weird these weird festivals where they like whip themselves and literally get crucified, some of them. I mean, they take them down, but they've got the things in the net, in nails in their hands and stuff. What they're trying to do there is like they're trying to atone for their own sin, which is actually a denial of the cross. So we're happy and joyful because we've been forgiven and because we are adopted and we are united in Christ. We're part of the Technicolor dream coat. Yeah. And God has revealed his grace to us and to the demons and the angels. 
But we have to understand what it took to get us to that point and how, how low we became. You know, we signed up with Satan. So you need to get a grasp of that. And if you're like, you know, I've always been quite a nice person and I just became a Christian because it seemed a nice thing to do. You ain't got it. Look back at chapter two for me for one second. Verse one, you were dead in trespasses and sins, which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, who is rich in mercy because of nothing nice in us, his great love, which he la- uh, with which he loved us, even while we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. It's amazing, isn't it? Is it amazing? Or is it average? It depends on whether you're a wretch or a nice person. You know, you're not going to stay a wretch, you're a saint. If you look at chapter one, verse one, to the saints who are in Ephesus, your identity is not wretch anymore. <laughs> but it's, it's, I was once a wretch and now I'm saved. Praise God. That's the revelation of God's character. And that's what he wants to do, especially showing his grace. Right, last bit. <laughs> last night, <laughs> West Ham played Leicester. And um, this is Mikel Antonio. Sorry, I'm quite into football, uh, especially fantasy football. <laughs> um, and Mikel Antonio, he's just become uh, West Ham's all-time highest goal scorer um, in the Premier League. Okay. Sorry if this totally bores you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Someone not football. Uh, my housemate's like, oh, great. The Premier League's starting again. Hmm. <laughs> Me and her husband, I live with a married couple and she's like, oh, she's so annoyed. <laughs> but this is Mikel Antonio. And, and before the match, he actually spoke to one of the um, match officials and you could see him whispering to him. And what he'd done is he got him to station a giant cardboard cutout of himself by the by the side of the pitch so that when he scored he was like he was really like i'm going to score this goal and he did he, he managed to get the goal and you can see him there praising michael antonio michael antonio praising michael antonio and then he actually gets the cardboard cut out and then he gives it a kiss <laughs> and all the pundits were like it's been lonely in lockdown hasn't it <laughs> but you know what? Is that right or wrong, what he did? What do you think? Like, honestly, listen, give me some feedback. What do you think about that? Like, give me your honest opinion. Like, it's an open question. Arrogant? Doing it for a laugh, Jada. Yeah, good. Josh says arrogant. Anyone? Unique football celebration. That's right. His win, exactly. So, I mean, if you talk to him, he's not, he's not that. They had an interview with him and he, he's not that arrogant. But it was just interesting to me that that was the highest praise that he could muster, you know? It is <laughs> me. <laughs> Look at me. Mikel Antonio, where did you get your gift? <laughs> exactly. Now, slightly different, still on football, sorry, it will pass if you don't like football. Uh, praise where praise is true, right? <laughs> the constant praise from Bruno Fernandes for others around him, even when he has played well himself. The understanding from players who are not starting every week, because obviously he's so good that a lot of players can't start because he's always going to start. And the gleaming smile on Paul Bogdan's face, uh, assist king this season, he's got five already. 
um, is beginning to bring back joy to the Old Trafford faithful. And, you know, Pogba's actually doing Bruno's celebration, which is to suck his thumb and put his hand over his ears, which I, because I've got no friends and just spent a lot of time on Google, um, I found out is because when Bruno tries to tell his little daughter off, she puts her hand over her ears and sucks her thumb. So whenever Bruno scores a goal, he's like, <laughs> he's reminding her who's the daddy. <laughs> But basically, like, you know, praise is so important to human beings, all right? And it's not wrong to praise people, right? And it's really hard if your dad never says well done to you or you don't have a dad. And probably even now, I'm like, if my dad says something to me, he can really cut me or he can really build me up just by by a word. It's amazing, really. I don't know how dads, something about dads, isn't it? They can say something like, well, why did you only get a B plus? And you're like... (laughs) the rest of the day you know it's weird isn't it there's an impact they have on you i don't know what it is god's made it that way somehow but you see we need praise but we also need to give praise where praise is due final point today god has blessed us chose us predestined us for adoption according to the purpose of his will so bear in mind we're thinking about god's purposes for himself to the praise of his glorious grace which he has blessed us highly favored like the mary in the beloved do you remember i said that yesterday so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. So the glory of God is the goal of history. And this, when we see Mikel Antonio, uh, Josh said it, it was arrogant. And when you see someone praising themselves all the time, it's kind of disgusting. It makes you want to vomit, doesn't it? You know, I... I really don't like kind of drill rap or most gangster rap or most hip hop like that because it's like you're telling me about how many houses you've got, how many girls you've slept with, how many rings you've got, how much bling you've got. It's just really annoying to me. I was listening, I was listening to Dave and Stormzy's latest song and he was going on about how he's got two Rolexes. I'm like, is that really the best thing you can say is that you have two Rolexes, you know? Slow hand clap, you know? Sorry if you like Dave and Stormzy. They're talented, but it's just like, could you find a better subject matter to talk about here than praising yourself? It just smells of insecurity to me, right? If you're safe in Christ, if you know you're loved by him, you don't need to big yourself up all the time. You don't. You're already bigged up. You're as bigged up as you can be because you're seated in heavenly places with Christ already. It's a done deal. You're reigning with him. It's glorious. You're included in him. You're going to get all the benefits the inheritance. You don't need to big yourself up. Let someone else big you up. That's cool. You did well. Thank you. Appreciate it. If you're drawing attention to yourself, you're just like an insecure child. And you're also like an orphan child that has no daddy to say well done to them. But we have a daddy and he will say well done to us. So we don't need to big ourselves up. We need to big him up. We need to big him up. Now, when God bigs himself up, He's the only person in the universe can do that and it's not an egotistical ego trip thing, right? Everyone else, when, they, when we big ourselves up, we're stealing the glory from him because don't forget, he gave us our amazing football talent. <laughs> or whatever it is, not in my case, obviously. Whatever your talents, where do they come from? They come from God, right? So big him up. Like Sidney McLaughlin. You know, Mikel Antonio, I hope next time he does his celebration, he gets, I don't know, gets the cross of Jesus. <laughs> That'd be so cool, wouldn't it? He was like, never mind that, you know, like casting down his own image and raising up Christ, you know. The fact that God's main objective in the whole of the universe is to bring praise to his glory is not egotistical because he is the most praiseworthy being. 
And so it's most appropriate that all his creatures should praise him. In fact, that is actually the most enjoyable thing for us to do. It's to praise him. It's good to give him praise. I was coming in the car on the way here. I was drove here today and I was feeling a little bit here and there and a bit of this and a bit of that, you know, complicated thoughts in my head about different things. And I just thought, Lord, just I want to praise you, you know, because that's the best thing. That's why you created me. I'm created to worship you. So when God says, I'm doing this to the praise of my glory, that's our destiny. That's our objective. That's our fulfillment. That's our identity. We're built to be worshippers. And the more that we worship, the more that we're truly human. It's good for us to worship him and it's good for him for us to worship him because he deserves it. And that is the purpose of the universe. So in Christ, God will unite all things, reveal his great, amazing grace, isn't it? To a wretch like me and wisdom. Look, devil, look, Gabriel, multicolored dream coat of a people, not just the Jews, every tribe and nation. See that? From every nation. And bring praise to his glory. That is why you were built in your mother's womb. That's why you exist and that's why you will always exist to bring praise to his glory. That's being fully human. Opportunity now, I'm going to pray for you and myself. Sometimes when I speak, I think I live about 5% max of what I actually preach about. So pray for me too. If you could write down in your phone or in your uh, something somewhere, Tuesday, what we've done today is God's purposes for himself. And we've looked at unity, revelation, which is him showing himself to us, especially his grace, the revelation of his grace and the multicolored church. And we've looked at praise, the praise of his glory, taking it above the footballers to the one who made the footballers. So I'm just going to pray for you and then spend a minute, write something down where God spoke to you today. If you have a question, write that down maybe. And then, you know, message me, I'll put it in the, in the box. Let's pray. Our Father, we just want to confess that we've moved so far away from your purposes for yourself. We're just not, we're not interested, to be honest. We mostly want to um, attract money and girls or boys and, and do well and get praise and glory. And we're kind of salty when people don't recognise us for the amazing person that we are. So I just ask your forgiveness that we're just so out of alignment with your plans for the universe. And I just want to say, bring us into line with this unity plan to unite all things in Christ. Firstly, if there's anyone here who's not in Christ, I pray you give them the courage, the grace, the humility, open the eyes of their heart to see their own utter depravity and the beauty of Jesus Christ and his willingness to save them today. And if those of us are in Christ, remind us of that exact thing. The amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. It's all possible because of your grace. I didn't figure it out. I don't deserve it. I couldn't earn it. You gave yourself away to me, Jesus. And I pray as well, Lord, that 
even when we go out today to Guildford and just have a lock and mess about, that it will be in our minds about how we can be peacemakers, how we can be bringing the fragrance of Christ to even the people we interact with, being polite and courteous and kind, and even maybe sharing the good news with people we interact with today and, and loving other campers more than ourselves, thinking, okay, how can I be part of that inclusion project? How can I be bringing praise to God's glory and away from myself if I get triple strike <laughs> or I manage not to fall over on the ice skating? How can I be part of this plan to bring praise to your glory, Lord? Because that is where praise is due. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.